minutes. I'm watching for those disc read-write errors, but nothing uh, so far. Ronald, can we bust this out? Yes, absolutely. Please. I'm trying to munch, man. Snack number two. Please do yeah, it. Dude. Part, pa snack two for part two. For part two. I am very hungry still. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those smoke muscles will help quite a bit. <laughs> if there's one thing that can help, <laughs> smoke, muscles. smoke muscles. <laughs> Always on the top of my yeah. list. Go for it. These are phenomenal. <laughs> man. Look, I'll give you some money for these because if you want me to get paid, I'm about to eat like four of them. <laughs> That's fine, man. Because these are the ones from up there, Belvedere. Yeah, these are phenomenal. Um, my friend Dorian's uh, shop. Holy fuck! It's so weird that uh, we went to elementary uh, elementary school together, mm. and I just kind of like went into Belvedere Square one day, and I'm like, "Hey." He's like, hey, <laughs> you you work here? He's what like, I they... own this place. Damn. If anybody's okay. listening that's local, we're talking about the uh, the smokery. I guess that's what you would call it. Neopole <laughs> Snow Smokery. Yes, Neopole. Neopole. Neopole Smokery Damn. over at uh, Belvedere Square. Um, Tasty stuff. You need to try to get us like sponsored by this. I know, man. Smokery. We might have to, <laughs> might have to do if that. If he can provide we food for the uh, recording process. Tell him we'll talk about whatever his favorite movie is. Right. I might have to do that. Man. It's also our favorite movie now too. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad you like. I'm glad you guys like. We these. do have a lot of listeners in Baltimore, right? So if you are, go into Neopole and place. say I heard about you guys on this movie podcast called Movie Schmovie, and that will develop. That's it. Some... That's it. Yeah. And then what we need to do is go in and be wearing a T-shirt or mention, "Hey, when you you guys want to go record a Movie Schmovie right now," and then he'll be like, hey, "Oh, hey, you guys, I heard about you guys. I went to school yeah. with Ronald." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. I'm going to give you unlimited <laughs> smoke muscles what? forever. <laughs> what? Oh, well, yeah. we're here. Part Hello. two. Movie yeah. Movie. Part two of Movie Movie. Ultimate ketchup. The ultimate ketchup. Yeah. Yes. The, not, not the green or purple ketchup. No. The ultimate. Once put out. Now that we're feeling nostalgic <laughs> for random jingles and things of our youth. <laughs> Did you always feel like that green or purple ketchup had like a grittiness to it? It had it like did. a weird like grain to Is it. Is that the cost of a color? <laughs> This graininess? We'll give you the purple ketchup you've always never wanted. <laughs> but it'll be but very it'll be, good. We're going to drop a little sand in it. <laughs> <laughs> we want to get those teeth sad. clean as you're chewing. Yeah, that shit was that little, good. A little bit of a polish. Was that good. If you'll say. Uh, but yeah, so welcome back. Movie Schmovie Part 2, episode yes. 219. 19. Sheesh. Sheesh. That's really cool. We're coming up on 220 then. That's if what my numbers are right. You are one that always is right with the numbers. I have one-to-one -one more effectively than most people, I think. Mm. The other day, someone said, you want one more of those? And I was getting two. It happened to be donuts. They had right. like a deal. And I said, oh, you mean three donuts? And they were like, that's right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I said, why do you want to sell me one more? And they said, we just want to sell more donuts. So I said, there's not a deal. <laughs> this example's getting out of hand. <laughs> and like, I still got three donuts. Yeah, I got three donuts. He's like, I still got four. Yes. <laughs> They did it to me again, and I just did the math, and I was like, yeah. How about one more, then? You seem like a donut fan. Is there a deal? Is there a break at four? And they said, no, keep going. Keep going. And the thing is, they got me up to about six or seven before I realized there was no break. Uh, but You know there's a break when you buy a dozen. That's it. You got to buy 12 of those things. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's too much. That's too much to eat yourself. You need a function or some people that yeah. you, could, you throw 12 donuts yeah. out at a function, they're gone. Yeah. You take 12 donuts home, there's always that sort of, there's a guilty donut yeah, later like, in I, the I day. I gotta finish it. <laughs> I gotta finish I can't let it go bad. Wait till Sid is a little bit older, Steve, because you will, you call her Sid? Yeah. Okay. Um, I can beep it out if the world is not supposed to know her name. No. But um, when she gets a little older, she can help out with those things a little bit more, and you won't feel like you can bring home the dozen donuts, and you feel like Sounds this was a perfect. family effort. Can yeah, I, I get? Can I suggest I a nickname? The family. Yeah. Sid Precious. Sid Precious. Ooh. Yeah, not vicious. Ooh, like Sid it. Precious. Wow. So the opposite of vicious. Yeah, man. <clears throat> I like where you're going. With Take that. that with you. Take Done. that with Done. Sid Precious. That feels like a good rap name to me. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> Sid Precious. Or like an indie film. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. About a rapper. Yeah. Wow. Sid Precious. Sid Precious. Say it, Let's say it one more time. Sid Precious. <laughs> do do with it whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, so last time we talked a little bit about Toxic Phantom and the ugly side of 
of just movies and people that are into movies and that there might be this kind of culture war brewing between mm. people who want to be nice and enjoy things and people who want to be shitty and shit on things. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a movie that Steve and I have seen that you have not seen, but I think you could get into the broader question that, okay. that rises from the movie about Fred Rogers, which is called Won't You Be My Neighbor? Excuse me. And I think that... What this movie shows you is that even though niceness itself is uncomplicated, maintaining a nice life and being a nice person throughout a life is is actually a very complicated thing. Yeah. It made me realize not just how much I think we need nice, mm -hmm. but also it's that Tom Hanks thing of if we hear some shitty stuff about Fred Rogers. It's done. It, it's going to break my heart. Yeah. Right. It's not just that niceness is the brand. It's that his niceness is like a philosophical thing. And sure. it runs so much deeper than just anodyne being sweet or pretending nothing bothers you or being Pollyanna. My general question to you, Ronald, would be, even though you haven't seen Won't You Be My Neighbor, do you think the world right now just kind of needs a little nice? I, I think it's necessary. I think it's rare, but very necessary. I think there's something really cool about highlighting them now because it, it feels like the show does. Does the show air anymore? It might air in reruns. reruns. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's, yeah. it's also like on some of them on Amazon. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it. The sad part is when if 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 something didn't start off on DVD, it pretty much gets lost in the sauce now. And and <clears throat> through these documentaries, through these highlights, and you, you we get to reintroduce these people to an audience that would never have known about Mr. Rogers any other way. Besides the their kids may have be watching the. The spinoff about the puppets that's on PBS. The Daniel Tiger. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just to know where it comes from and all comes from this kind-hearted sort of gesture to the world to kind of pay it forward with kindness. Like it, and it specifically was... to, to reach kids at an age before they've become cynical yeah. Yeah. and tell them there's nothing wrong with you. Right. You know? And yeah. I think that is so, personally, that was important to me. But ever since I came into adulthood... I've appreciated more and more just what that represented to me as a kid, that here was right. a guy who said, I like you just the way you are. Yeah. And that's so simple. And it can be point, you can make fun of it if you want yeah. to. And I think there was a decade or more where America, where our tendency was ironic and cynical and the jokes were all very meta, that we would have said, oh, this is cheesy or this is simple or this is whatever. But nowadays, when we see uh, like real division in our country and there's real hatred and there's yeah. real anger, and it seems like these two things will never meet in the middle, and you think like, man, what Fred Rogers was able to do was actually one of the most Jesus-like things a person I can think of has ever done, which right. is to maintain that pose, even right. if it's a pose, even if it's something he had to work at, of I'm listening, I'm here for you, you're fine. It doesn't mean don't change things for the better. It just means you shouldn't be walking around thinking you're alone and that your pain is yours and that no one can share your experience. Right. And that's so fucking deep that is so necessary especially at a time where being a white dude was pretty much kind of incredible <laughs> i mean yeah. like it, it, yeah. there was no reason for him to reach outside of his beautiful life mm -hmm. and just say hey you can you can be who you are you can be a beautiful person you don't have to make fun of people yeah adult things that i just never knew i mean like Divorce and all that stuff, like him, him talking about things in these simple, tangible ways. It helped me a lot when I was a kid. I yeah. I remember being like, man, I remember, I remember, I I helped somebody based on the way that he react to, reacted to one of the sad puppets. Mm -hmm. I like talked to a friend that way, and it worked. I was like, "Oh my! God, all I have to do is listen to this person. Mm -hmm. I like this. What a novel idea! It's a crazy idea. You just talk to them, hear them out, listen to them. It's like, man, Mister Rogers was pretty important. It's, it's kind of a wild thing to watch now. Like, you know, I feel like it was. I was kind of at the, or we were probably at the, our our age, right, right, right. Like, kind of at the tail end of it, yeah. You know, yeah. and I caught a lot of it in reruns and stuff. Definitely something that still had an impact on me growing up, and you know. I think is partially informed who I am now, but it's so, it is kind of jarring watching it now, mm -hmm. you know, watching that footage and like watching him outside of an actual episode talking off camera or mm. talking to people and just seeing that like, that's it, like, it just seemed like that's who he was, you know, like there was no, even though he may have like perfected how Mr. Rogers was looking on the show or what he was doing. Yeah, and it was all very calculated his, in a yeah, way. What his like song would lead him to do and what the character note was. Right. But I mean, I think the the through line that was kind of like a more of a like a shake of my head watching it was like 
was more of the candid stuff, like watching him interact with the people working behind the scenes on the show, mm-hmm. you know, joking and, you know, talking and having relationships with uh, some of the actors, you know, that went beyond the show and went on for years after the show ended. Um, and I think it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a shock to see, you mentioned Tom Hanks is like that guy now. Yeah. But it's kind of like a shocking thing to see a person who just seems like so honest and like, forthcoming and like genuinely intending to do positive things Mm -hmm. like no matter what the situation was it's just not a common thing anymore it's like more the exception to the rule rather than the rule and like i feel like you're right that's something that i feel like we need now Mm -hmm. and i mean i think that's why people are really loving this documentary and Mm. you know it's performing really well and the release that they've handled you know how they've been rolling it out and festival circuits and everything has been really really intentional and smart and i love the fact that random people that i work with are aware of this documentary that like don't go to the movies a lot Mm -hmm. and like it's tapped into something and like if you had a connection to mr rogers to fred rogers to the show to daniel tiger like you just mentioned to the new show like with if you're watching it with your kids um it's just like a nice connection to something that should have always been and probably still is a positive influence on you yeah. and can be on like the in the world you know or to people in our country but even if you didn't i mean i feel like there's something extremely accessible about the story of 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 him yeah and of his show and how important his show was and like i don't know it's just so crazy to think of like how central he was to delivering conversation points to the public like when 9-11 happened and they have him come out and yeah pbs was saying we would love for you to come and record a few spots because america needs you yeah like you you are needed right now like you are valued that much that you're not doing it anymore but we really feel like our viewers and and our country would love to hear you talk about this Mm -hmm. because it's such a balanced metered just I don't know, like honest, like some of the stuff he says is not even that all that positive sometimes. <laughs> That'd be, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, right, talk, right. like you mentioned the divorce thing. There's a section in it when he's talking to parents about uh, kids about parents getting divorces. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's nothing. There's no positive spin to it. Yeah, the one where he's where they're addressing the the Kennedy assassination, yeah. the Bobby Kennedy yeah. assassination. There's, there's no positive spin. It's honest, and yeah. you're not you're not like sugarcoating it, but you're presenting it. You're delivering it delivering it to kids in a manner that you believe they can handle it, and like. I don't know. There's something, you know, I feel like there as a new parent, there's something that I see at, that I feel like is at odds with that kind of care for children where a lot of kids I feel like now are not, they're like, the, I don't even know what the, what the proper term is. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but like this helicopter parenting and like, like the they're like glass beings and like you know you obviously don't want bad things to happen to your kids and you want to tell them everything is going to be okay and Mm -hmm. you know coddle them and and that's not what he was at all yeah and that's what's shocking when i saw this film at the maryland film festival as a new parent i'm trying my best to figure out what my approach to being a parent means and it's been informed by people like him and other things that have influenced me through my life people in my life but it, that was a big takeaway for me is walking out of that as a relatively new parent and what I've witnessed of other people, my peers in my, you know, that I've seen and just, just this day and age that we live in now, like mm-hmm. parents and, and how they parent and how things are so different and how yeah. that type of approach I think affects how people grow up and how they approach the world yeah. and what they expect from the world and their peers and things like that. It's just a wild conversation, and it's so simple to watch a movie like this, a documentary about a character in a show who's a man who was also that guy. Yeah. It's just, it was. I thought it was great. It's a phenomenal documentary. I've heard some people criticize that it, that it doesn't, they would like to see more of his life and more of his yeah. conflicts and more right, of his story, right. but I thought it was cool that it kind of tells the story of the show. Yeah, it picks up I with agree. how this show was created, and it almost leaves him alone. When he was developing this idea of what his show would be, it was alongside and kind of under the same mentorship as these people who were writing these child psychology books that yeah. became huge for so long. That talk about treating kids not like little delicate flowers, like what you were saying, but also not like they're just people. Yeah, there's right. something different. A child psychology. There's a different approach. At some point, that kid's going to be a grown up. Is going to be out there in the world, and yeah. you hope they make decisions based on knowing they're loved and valued 
All those things that Fred Rogers wanted kids to know is what every person walking around needs to know. I mean, there may have been more they could have done to kind of dirty up this impression of the guy. I don't know. I don't know if there's Me anything either. that we didn't see. There's a moment in particular where he failed a friend. Yeah. And they, they make a real point out of how he redeemed himself from that to some extent. Fred Rogers seems to me like a guy who would hear new information and would think about it and would act on it. Yeah. Mm. And again, it's because he's got this underpinning that's like an educated psychological underpinning. That was the final piece of the pie to me that made me understand how this show came to be, is that there was an amazing intelligence behind it as far as what it was. And everything about it was so thought out. Yeah. From him coming in and changing into the, the sneakers and the sweater to the way that he would show you that he wasn't always the best at the arts and crafts. Yeah. Um, there was a real humanity to him. He, I mean, I remember thinking he was my friend when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And and nowadays, it's so weird. Like, if you heard a guy say, I've always had a wonderful relationship with children, you would go, all right, don't let that guy anywhere near a kid. <laughs> but something about Fred Rogers, he's he's he sort of transcends that impression that you have. When I step back, I'm glad that it was the story of the show and the message and the meaning yeah. of his career. And it wasn't trying to start at day one and go through his whole life. The one thing you get in this movie that is powerful to me about his childhood, I won't necessarily spoil, but the poignancy just shoots up when you realize that maybe when he was a kid, he could have used a Fred Rogers around for him. Yeah. So I guess oh. we think you should see it, Ronald. Okay. You seem like yeah. a guy who could use a pick-me-up. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Especially from Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I can't wait to see it. I wonder if the general audience member that sees this movie knows the show or grew up with the show, or if, if I was a 20-year-old who saw this film... And I was getting my first taste of Mr. Rogers. I wonder I wonder what that would be like. Because I went into it with a lot of baggage and a lot of feelings about him already. Sure. You know what I mean? Do you think the movie, if you'd never seen one frame of it, do you think the movie would have much value? Or do you, th do you think it does enough? Or do you think it's more for people who might feel a tug of nostalgia at the notion of... It definitely is. It? That's the core, I think, yeah. to be... But, again, like I feel like there are people that are of age now that could go see this movie who know what Daniel Tiger is. Like this, yeah. that, There's a whole other generation... That that's the show for yeah. that generation. Like, that's a very popular show as well. That yeah. is, is because of this. So I mean, I feel like you know a parent could take a child who's a teenager now who knew Daniel Tiger and like see this documentary about this man that created what ultimately mm -hmm. became your favorite show as a kid. Well, know, Daniel Tiger like, gets a, a a good chunk of the movie. He too. does. Yeah. I and, mean, and I didn't know how much that was Fred. Yeah. Like that was very powerful to me. It's the wild. notion that he was acting out like Daniel's so worried and insecure and everything and people say that that was Fred that was him yeah like his inner side like that's his inner child coming out through Daniel oh, wow. when you know that and you see a few instances of it you realize again Fred Rogers was a he needed he needed it too that really hit me there's moments where you'll chuckle at the sort of low rent quality of the puppets and the show but it's such a warm movie it really yeah. felt like that rare thing where the laughs were all very like, I didn't see anyone in the theater that I saw it with, and I saw it with a reasonably large crowd. Like, no one seemed to be laughing at the, oh, no. the corniness yeah. of it. Which, yeah. again, what was my big thing was, is can the world even handle the sincerity of someone like Fred Rogers? That's a, that's a good question. They could use it for sure, but yeah. I, don't I don't know how well they would receive it. <laughs> but you should definitely see it, Ronald. Cool. Yeah, it's worth checking out. I'll definitely check it out. So, I don't know, we're getting into this area where we could talk about some other movies that I think Steve and I have seen, but I don't know, Ronald, have you seen... Have you watched anything that's brought you any joy recently? Have you uh, you watched Set It Up? Set It Up, the Netflix movie, the rom com. Oh yes, Set It Up with uh, Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, I really enjoyed. Glenn Powell. Well, talk to us a little bit about Set It Up. Zoe Deutsch. Well, Set It Up is a rom com. It is called Set It Up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know any of the actors' names except for Lucy. I Liu. just said all three of them. Who? What, what's the name? What are the names? <laughs> Lucy Liu. Just rewind the, the audio. Ronald. Lucy Liu. Uh -huh. And your girl Drew. Uh, Lucy Liu, Tay Diggs, Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Yep. Who is Durs, Durs Jr. Zoe Deutsch. Zoe daughter Deutsch. of Leah Thompson and Howard Deutsch. I did not know that. I yes. did not know that. And uh, love her so much. She And she is great comedic in chops, man. I, I have also seen this film. And I fucking love this movie. It was really very... It is wild to me yeah, how much I enjoyed it. This is just a rom-com? What is it? How is it different from your average rom-com? So essentially, I mean, it's really not that different, but it's the <laughs> execution of it. Yeah. I think, um, so it's it's two employees who are basically in the same building who have to deal with very crazy bosses. In one night, in, in uh, a twist of fate, they meet each other and then they decide... 
after a while that they should hook their crazy bosses up with each other and see what happens. And then it, it kind of happens. So they can be free of so, that. Yeah. Because they're, because they're, they're overworked, nuts. underpaid, like egotistical, crazy, really power, bad bosses. hungry, you know, bosses. Mm-hmm. You know? And it did just these two younger, you know, working their asses off and they come across one another and they got this, they just hatched this plan to set them up so that they can have a break and in the process, you know, fall in love. Yeah. I just think that like what works so well for me is that it doesn't try to be anything more than it is. Yeah. Casting is great. Their chemistry is phenomenal. The So the Lucy Liu, Tay Diggs stuff works really well. The st- like, but the you movie, think it helps that they're just gorgeous. It definitely helps. Yeah, <laughs> there are a couple um, twists too. Yeah, a couple twists. You got, but the chemistry with Glenn Powell, who I've grown to really be a big fan of, and I was super bummed out that he didn't get the baby goose role in Top Gun Maverick or whatever mm. it's called. Let's have a little sidebar about this. Do we want Top Gun too? Like, are you interested? You're the you're what? so you're, you're the biggest Tom Cruise guy. You are. I mean, yes, I'm interested. I mean, I, I love him too. Like, but I, not just Tom Cruise, a uh, Top Gun. Right. Top yeah. Cruise. Maverick. Yeah. Top yeah. Maverick. Maverick. Like, yeah. Pop, is it called Pink Maverick? Crew. Is that what they're calling this movie? I think movie? it's called like Top Gun Maverick. I don't know. <laughs> Rise of the Maverick. Oh, all right. So Miles Rise Teller. Rise of Baby Goose. They've just cast Miles Teller officially as yeah. Goose's son. Baby Goose. So it's good. Let's call it Baby Goose. <laughs> it so, kind of makes sense Gosling. that... PG. That's Gosling. That's Gosling. <laughs> it kind of makes sense that That'd Miles Teller is his son, though. Miles Teller is Gosling in... Top Gun, yeah. colon, Maverick. Boom. <laughs> because Got he... you back. La La Land, what? I'd watch. You know, he was supposed to be in La La Land, Miles Teller. Oh, it makes sense because it's Damien Chazelle. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. Him and Emma Thompson? No, Emma. Stone. St- no, no. There's another Emma. No, Emma, Beauty and the Beast, Belle, Emma. What? Watson. That, Watson. Emma that Watson. Was, that was supposed to be the Miles Teller, Emma Watson were cast for La La. I would have balled that movie up and thrown it in a fucking got, trash got if that would come up. Gosling I'm so glad it got in. scrapped. Okay, that's like an alternate version of a movie that's almost hard to pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? That been I mean, so I, weird. I imagine they might have been good. Like, I don't know, man. That's what that. That's what I think it would have been. been slapsticky. <laughs> I think I took the last one. Steve. That's okay. I'm just getting some sauce. <laughs> um, but so yeah, Top Gun. Who's directing this? Top Joseph. Joseph. Uh, was it Kaczynski? Oh, okay. Oblivion. Let's bring it back. The, the co-inventor of science fiction. <laughs> Some would give him credit for inventing it. Yeah. Okay. I know we talk about Tom Cruise inventing it, but he really just starred in Oblivion. Joseph Kaczynski directed it. Yeah. Right. To um, say nothing of, of Tron Legacy, which he also directed, right? Yes, he did. I don't know. Like I, I like Miles Teller. I was just saying when we were talking about this before, it was like I just feel like he's one of those actors that, like, you know, just he, he falls, he's becoming in that, like... He's fetch. He's. Um, They're trying to make him Taylor happen. Kitsch, uh, Charlie <laughs> yeah, Hunnam, Miles Teller. Yeah. These like stars that are the stars of tomorrow. They're in movie after movie. Some good films, some not so good films. Barely any blockbusters, and they just keep getting like this is like the next try. Yeah. You know, Miles Teller, Fantastic Four. Miles Teller, <laughs> War Dogs. Miles Teller. Well, uh, arguably, Fantastic whatever, Four wasn't else. his fault. I didn't see. What I, I didn't say no. I'm not yeah. saying any of the movies were his fault, yeah. whether he, they were great or not. I'm just saying he is the name that is always on, like, or most of these like short lists for like casting whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I like him. I'm just saying that I feel like the Glenn Powell thing. Like I really, really like Glenn Powell recently, and like I, I really liked him. And everybody wants some. He was in that uh, Ryan Murphy. Scream Queens show on Fox that was oh, kind of okay. like super campy and fun, mm-hmm. um, and I and I thought he's great and set it up. But you know, Miles Teller I guess is the biggest name of the three that were it was down to. It was him, Glenn Powell, Nicholas Holt. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what, what's up with Miles Teller. But yeah. But back to set it up. Yeah. I, I just I I just the the chemistry of the two they were in everybody wants some together. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you saw that the Linklater film. Um, I need to. I haven't seen. Okay, it yet. it's great. Um, well, Every, I really liked it. I really everything liked it. I heard made it sound like one of those Linklater films yeah, where it's just it's yeah, like a slice automatic. of life. Yeah. yeah, it's good. But I don't know. I just think that their chemistry is so great. It's so simple. It's not trying to be anything flashy. It's super modern, mm-hmm. while still settling into the things that you know make a really solid rom com that you don't really see very many of anymore. Right. And honestly, like I think it's one of the best Netflix original movies that they've put out. Period. I agree like, with that. Like I don't. I was looking through a bunch of other stuff, like trying to th- make sure I wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just so. 
it's just so solid. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the movie of the week, you know, last week, like everybody was tweeting about it and cause it dropped a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. on Netflix. But I don't know if you're looking for just like a solid, if you love like the just old school eighties, 90 rom-coms, like whether it was, you know, sleepless in Seattle kind of thing, or like even the nineties, you know, like can't hardly wait. It's like not the teen high school stuff, but just like that young love mm-hmm. in, in the weirdest situations kind of thing. Like it just works. It's, and it's super cute. Uh, very funny, and um, and it just knows when to end the movie. Like it was, it was good. I really liked it, and I was recommending it to him, and I was happy that you. I liked it. Well, one of the things you've been able to watch, and you were gladly. You, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you liked it. And I liked it. There wasn't a straightforward thing, and it kind of had a little bit of a twist in the end. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, well, it's on been, Netflix now. I was about to say I've been curious about a lot of stuff that's hit Netflix recently, and I think you've seen a couple things that yeah. I'm curious about. Ibiza or Ibiza? Ibiza. Ibiza. Well, not a fan. you know they pronounce it uh, funny over there in Spain. Do don't they? they say Ibiza? <laughs> Do you say oh, okay. not? Yeah. You said not a fan. Not a fan. Um, uh, any quick thoughts on why not a fan? What was it that didn't work? Or yeah, uh, just like the tone was kind of odd mm-hmm. to me. Like <clears throat> it tried to be like kind of raunchy at times and kind of a little darker. Oh, I, I saw at that times. too. It's Gillian Jacobs. Gilly, yeah. I totally Minister forgot Bayer. that I saw that. It was a very forgettable movie. Yeah. It was trying Honestly. to be like a combination <laughs> of girls girls trip and uh like like what what was the what other Bridesmaids? one? Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. It was like weird thing. Kinda, or or, or that know, Charlotte Scarlett Johansson one like Yes, where, okay, so those like the, uh, Yeah. Where they actually had any kill the stripper. Not that there's like somebody getting killed in this, but like no. I was thinking of tone. Uh, tone wise, it's Bachelorette, like Bachelorette or, with yeah. That's when I was yeah. thinking of was Bachelorette. It's like it's like it's going for this like it's funny, but it's kind of like you know like gritty a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know like yeah. So that's I don't know. It, it's weird. The, the movie was bad because it it just had these set pieces mm-hmm. where they just sat in a place or ran around a place and just said the raunchiest thing they could possibly ever That's think That's what of. I mean, yeah. Like, it was like, j- the story wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. There was like a, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of like... Doesn't that feel like boilerplate now when they yes. put out one of these movies and they stick in the gross-out jokes? Like, it feels like yeah. this is a requirement that almost yeah. feels, to me, kind of juvenile. Yeah. And I love juvenile humor, but to me, I feel like it's... It felt it's like become, a, it's become an assumed thing in this type of movie. Totally. It specifically felt like a man writing jokes for a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is how a raunchy woman would talk. And hey, you gotta suck his dick. You know, <laughs> it's like that kind. Those kind of jokes. It was like that's not funny. Just the way that I, I just that. Uh, what's her name? Uh, I listened to her podcast. I can't remember her name. Phoebe Robinson. Oh yeah. Phoebe Robinson was kind of that person. She was like the he. She was like the Tiffany Haddish. Mm-hmm. Of that so so whenever a, a a scene would happen she'd come in with the raunchy joke mm-hmm. that was raunchier than all their other jokes and it just never hit and it's not that she was bad it's just the script was kind of weird it felt a little like written by a woman directed by a man oh wow yeah just when yeah. yeah yeah those jokes didn't hit like i thought that it, i mean i thought i because i love phoebe robinson she's a great comedian like a real comedian like a touring comedian mm-hmm. and i thought i was like all right Two dope queens. Are you tour? suggesting there are some actors who call themselves stand-up comedians that that probably sell out their tours, but they're not real comedians? Ronald? Absolutely. <laughs> I can think of a director that does that. Oh, you're talking about yeah, the guy who we're going easy Please don't on say because I love to be in a movie of this. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, maybe it's not the guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> Please don't say it because I love to be in a movie of this. Kevin Smith. Judd Apatow. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. I don't think he's a bad comedian. No, I'm I, th- just I know what you're saying. For what, what you're saying. He plopped himself in, and I, now he's like... I was like, thinking you were saying Kevin Smith because of those evening yeah. with Kevin Smith things. But The fact that he kind of plopped himself in after, like, 30 years, and yeah. now he can, like, sell out any venue, is strange, man. And he's like... It's the name. Yeah. Okay, you know who's the ultimate... Seriously? You know who's the ultimate mediocre at best stand-up comic that, that is doing great? It's Ricky Gervais. You don't like Ricky Gervais? Oh, I think he sucks, man. You you know oh, why? Shit. You know why I kind of feel like you do. God, I like him. Half his special like is him reacting to people tweeting at him about him being too offensive. Yeah, he's one of those guys that like makes bad jokes and then says that people are offended. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the problem is that he's not that funny, as far yes. as I'm concerned, or or that he's telling jokes that feel like hacky stand-up comic jokes that were maybe ten years old or that like feel overly written. I just yeah. and I love The Office. I love extras. 
I love sort of what he represented to me for a while. I listened to those podcasts with him and uh, Stephen. I Merchant love those and, and and Carl Pilkington. So I, it's in my heart that Ricky Gervais can do something brilliant. Yeah. I just think the stand-up comedy is like it's the most self-congratulatory. It is very like, self-congratulatory. And he goes out there and he just seems like he's he's so high on himself that that it just loses a lot of the a lot of the. Whatever it is that makes me relate to a comedian or makes me get into a comedian is feeling like I'm seeing something kind of unvarnished. And yeah. I feel like everything he does is sort of practiced and rehearsed. And, and I don't know. He's definitely got an audience out there yeah. that's going to eat up whatever he does. But he seems to me like the ultimate guy who hasn't really paid his dues, but is in his mind, he's like one of the world's most successful stand-up yeah. comics. You know, who, you know who is the better version of that in real life? Like uh, David Letterman and, and Seinfeld. And by that I mean like, there's a thing, there's a tone to that comedy that's like I'm smarter than you. Yeah. But it's not that he thinks that he's smarter than you. He just doesn't like people. Jerry Seinfeld just doesn't like people in general. Like right. there's like a thing to him. Like he's got like a shell, right? He, yeah, like he likes people. Developed his to friends pr- to protect him from people. Yeah, his friends <laughs> he likes, but like general public. You yeah. see what Kesha tried to pug him? Like yeah. I, that's real life. What he's trying to replicate on stage. Mm-hmm. That whole, like, I don't know. Yeah, because Kesha don't was like, like, Jerry Seinfeld, he's an icon. I'm going to hug him. And he's like, no. Get this dirty no, no, girl no. off yeah. of me. And there's something, I don't know. I love that, man. So Seinfeld is that version of a person that I. Right. I and think he's another he's guy who's everything is very written. And he's going to have an audience that's yeah. going to go out and eat it up. But Seinfeld is also the ultimate example of a guy who paid his dues with material yes. and came up. From nothing, with the strength of his observational humor that is so hackneyed now yeah. that it's like he almost can't even do his own style because we so many people ran with it's that so idea. Mimicked. Do you ever notice? Do you ever notice? Yeah. You know, and I'm not, so it sounds mimicked. like I'm knocking him. No, he no, was I one of my favorite that. comics for so long, and I still think he's a very smart, yeah. funny guy. If um, you want to see the differences between the two of them, watch that. Uh, oh, that's talk, talking funny. That's when you realize how different all of. It was Louis C.K., yeah. Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Chris and Rock. Gervais. And you can yeah. tell that nobody in that room is quite sure why Ricky Gervais is like so running the conversation at yeah. certain points. He's what is this called? Talking Funny. It is... It's a podcast? It's a roundtable discussion. It was like an HBO roundtable discussion uh, with okay. these so good. iconic comedians. Yeah. And it's, I think you, know, you would Rock, love it. Seinfeld, Louis C.K., and... Ricky Gervais, and you yeah. can tell there's I don't know there's just this general feeling that there's he's... a there's an approach to his his joke telling that it becomes very apparent that they don't feel like that like yeah. they, they're just like no I, we're not smarter than the audience yeah it's just different mm-hmm. it's not what you're saying at all yeah. okay but it's cool it's I it, but I like Ricky Gervais in it it's yeah. a really and good I like I, talking funny I know I just said his stand up sucks which was strong <laughs> words I wasn't expecting that. I, I was I was surprised to hear that come out of my mouth but I do I'm glad you said way. it though I do feel that way because I love him you're in a I, safe space and I can't stand the, the stand up you know? I fucking I kind of feel similarly and then I realized that okay last thing I want to say because I really like him <laughs> I feel like I've watched the same special a couple times yeah and I don't always feel like that with every comic I don't feel like that with Bill Burr I don't feel like that with Dave Chappelle puts out two hours on the same day, and they're not the same. I watched, I watched Dave Chappelle do a brand new hour that is totally separate from everything that I've heard on all those Netflix specials. How was that? Talk to us about Dave Chappelle's show. You think he's a better stand-up than Ricky Gervais? <laughs> yes, yes. This one's about like hot take. Yeah, <laughs> th- this new set of stuff is like about protecting himself and gun law and. It's something totally different, but he also addresses the backlash from the last special. Yeah. It's, it was fucking. Good. And he's someone. If he got up there and and talked about the reaction to his last special, I'm interested. Yeah. Ricky Gervais talking about people being offended by his jokes at the Golden Globes or whatever. Yeah. It's just like nobody really cares about that shit, do they? I mean, I know they must because he's super successful. Yeah. But um, yeah, Ricky Gervais doesn't need my help. So yeah. But I still think the original Office is one of the most brilliant and completely so formed things anyone's ever made. It's so good. So he's got it a, is literally the he's bones. got a place in my heart no matter what he does. I think it's the bones for real, the bones of that the American show. I mean, like it's different, very mm-hmm. different, but the absurdity of it is borrowed. The basis mm-hmm. of all of the jokes in the entire show is the original UK one. That's that's definitely like. Very original. Speaking about the British Office, here's a great segue. I think you saw another movie on Netflix that I was curious about, Cargo, starring I like Cargo. Martin Freeman. Yeah, Which, really cool concept. 
And the sh- have you seen the short that it was based on? Oh no, I haven't seen that. There was a. I feel like we talked about. There was a short like four years ago. Okay. About the father carrying the baby through the desert during like a zombie apocalypse, and he what? and he's bit. But he's like trying to get like, her to like some place to. This like, feels very familiar. We've that's what the a, movie's about. Yeah, that's the movie. Oh jeez, let me add this to the. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yeah, so it was. It's based on a short that came out a few years back. Like basically, the the context is in the short. Again, he's he's basically transporting this child on like a carrier on his back. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been infected or bitten or whatever, and trying to get her to a, a, somebody who who has survived. Gotcha. Before he turns. Before he turns and, a, and, a, and ostensibly a, becomes a danger to the baby. Exactly. Right? And that's basically the premise of the movie. I mean, mm. the movie builds it out. That's cool material for him. He doesn't usually yeah. do stuff like yeah. that. But you know what? He, I love him. Me too. He's also been in this movie this year, apparently, that's great, called Ghost Stories. Oh, that yeah. I haven't seen yet. We've been trying to, We've been trying to find, find it. Because it. it was apparently supposed to come out on video on demand. Mm-hmm. But we can't find it. Mm. No, he's a really interesting actor. So how does he handle the sort of horror mixed with grimness that, uh, he's that Cargo? He's great. D- does it trade on that likability that we have, this mundaneness and the kind of normalcy he seems to represent from other things? Does it kind of feel like a twisted version of character he's played before, or is it a whole new thing? I think it's a whole new thing. I mean, because he's kind of like, uh, he kind of has a pretty decent, oh, what, what's cool about the, fe- like, usually you're like, how do you, how are you building that concept out to a feature length? Like, that short is really great, actually. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend seeking it out. I can't remember if it's also called Cargo or something else, but... um you know, seeing the desperation that a father would have to try to save their children or their child, knowing that they could become a threat to them. But I think it's cool because it takes place in Australia, like in, you know, in the outback and kind of crossing paths with how this outbreak has affected the native people there and uh, like what their ways of life and how it, it played into how they're dealing with. Um, this zombie slash uh, epidemic that's happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He goes through like a really interesting character arc in you know all kinds of different phases of trust of other people, mm. and not just trust in a general sense, but trust for possibly like caring for my child. You know, like right, right. there's like a weird level up of how much you must trust somebody. You know, when you're not going to be there to filter whatever's happening to protect your child. Right, you right. know what I mean? Especially when you know you're on a timetable that you're you're basically dying. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're becoming the threat, and I like when movies have a built-in, like the stakes are yeah. part of the premise, like yeah. that. Yeah. That you know, the ticking too. clock is for this character. It's it. That's it. Yeah. All all he can do is accomplish this one thing, and that's it. And I think I think that again, that's a cool concept. And you know, it's it's a kind of thing like some of the stuff's a little tr- has uh, you know kind of hits some of the classic tropes of like crossing people that have been so affected and tainted by what's happening outside that they basically become a different kind of monster, mm-hmm. not of the zombie or like epidemic scale but like of a human so we should do like a long-running tv show about how people are the real monsters in a zombie Uh, apocalypse it's weird you know it could maybe work for maybe 10 seasons (laughs) maybe six before it goes off it could be really interesting for a couple of episodes and then run for 10 seasons (laughs) it could go either way but you know it's, it's just interesting though because you know i think that characterization that we usually see of him i think it does play into that Mm -hmm. but i think it's kind of cool to see him kind of like take a a little bit of a darker lead Mm -hmm. only because you're in the context of a story where you know you know he's going to die yeah and you know that he could possibly become a threat you're hoping that's not the case but um just like the the courage and like the bravery and like i don't know there's just so much on display Mm -hmm. of the mindset of someone who you know you know you're like on a clock now you know you're no you're done which I, that's like a crazy fucking premise for anything. Yes. You know, to be like, I have my kid strapped to my back. I have it strapped to my back so that I possibly can't get to her in case I turn in transit. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe the, the, the brain functions of a zombie or whatever they are wouldn't be able to figure out how to get the baby mm-hmm. out or something weird. Yeah. Like there's that thought process you can see him going through in the movie. And is this really standard cool. zombie rules? No. No. No, it's not. And actually, to be honest with you, I don't, that's the only thing I, I don't know that I fully got what happened because it's definitely more of like a sickness zombie thing happening oh. because you they slowly turn and like this like kind of like like goop like I don't know what the proper like this like goopy like they're all of their like eyes and mouths kind of like get this? sort of kind of get like covered by like this like 
pasty, sticky stuff. Like, oh. it's, I don't even understand. I, 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 that's the only thing I can say is, I, unless I missed it, but like, there's something I didn't get about like what actually is happening besides it's 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 transmitted by a bite mm-hmm. or it was airborne at one point they mentioned I think in the movie, but it, it's definitely playing more on the inf- uh, infection epidemic scale thing that's turning them into these like flesh eating. There's a really cool angle like where they like they like bury their heads in the sand mm-hmm. to like s- to stay alive when they haven't fed. It's there's some really cool shit happening with oh, like, wow. about the rules of it. Um, that's what I was wondering about was like because that's a big question with any zombie thing or vampire thing or whatever yeah. you're going to do is like are you going to fall back on these are the rules we all know and now we're up and running or, yeah. or do you have your own version of it you know it, it, I would say it's possible that I missed it I mean admittedly like I, I was watching it like you know not like glued to the screen like yeah. at my house I was watching it somewhere else but um, I, I, I liked it I thought it was really good I, I really do agree I, I agree I really like him a lot and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy most he seems smart and he anything makes smart I choices him yeah. in, he, absolutely um, does so, Keegan Michael Key in it? no I no. see this list um, I, I, I don't really know that I recognize anybody else in the movie oh okay it's really him gotcha um, but definitely I mean it, it's I'd recommend it it's on Netflix I, I went on a tear I was like mm-hmm. set it up Ibiza or Ibiza, yeah. and Cargo. I watched them all in like a day. Um, I like set it up the most, I think, only because it just surprised me the most. Like, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. But Cargo was solid. Definitely worth checking out for yeah, sure. Yeah, I gotta see it. Um, I'll, de- I'll check and it I out. Got, we gotta find ghost stories. I've heard that's really yeah, good. Is it, yeah. Is it out? I was... That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was supposed to apparently come out on like VOD in like April or early May. Yeah. And it's like nowhere to be found. But I don't know if it's they got pushed They pushed the date back. back. Did it not hit a festival and get some good reviews or something? It did. It did, it? yeah. I, I, that's what got me onto it. I was reading a bunch of festival reviews. Mm. And... Uh, so I don't we I don't know I don't know what happened to that movie or if it's coming out maybe it got pushed back or something. I mean sometimes getting pushed back is a mark of they realize they have something. Yeah, you know? maybe like they're gonna release it like in the fall or something around the, like Halloween or something maybe. But um, speaking I'm of a fan, speaking of horror or fall uh, films, uh, have you heard that Suspiria the remake? There was a story today that said that the director showed it to Tarantino, Tarantino and, yeah. and apparently he was reduced to tears by yeah, it. I saw that. What does I mean, that that's even a weird mean? story and it's a weird headline, but I have to say I'm I'm getting kind of psyched about this Suspiria remake. And I'm not one who thinks of the first one as this unassailable classic that you shouldn't touch. I think it's got some cool, weird elements that make it really special. I think the soundtrack by Goblin is one of the reasons why people love uh, Suspiria. I think Dario Argento has a certain visual style that 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 is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few moments in it that are just weird and unsettling on this primal level, but it's not one of my horror films. So I'm open to the, I mean, you know, we've talked about remakes. A good take yeah. is a good take. But that I thought that looks pretty good. It looks like they're doing something kind of interesting with the kind of movie that it is. It looks yeah. like it's gonna hurt and it's actually gonna be like the yeah. way that Hereditary, which I've seen, I don't think either one of you guys yeah, have seen. seen it. You know the way that trailer that. sells like a rougher kind of tone? It just mm-hmm. feels like they're saying something awful is going to happen yeah. in this world. And then it doesn't happen? No. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no. Do you, know, what, do, do you know about Hereditary? There's a couple... No, I haven't seen it. There's no. a couple big oh shit moments in that where you just realize what might set it apart from... And I love The Witch... But there's those indie movies that come out that are That's hard. what I was joking about. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say those movies don't have the juice. And I think Hereditary, it, it hits all those, it ticks all those art house boxes. Mm-hmm. But it also has the juice. It's got okay. the horror stuff that you want. Cool. And and to me, Suspiria looks like it's going in that direction. You know what I'm saying? Don't you think from watching oh, that, yeah. that you're like, people everything are, are going to get hurt in this fucking everything movie. Everything I've read about looks... it, uh, so apparently they screened it for, a couple, for uh, an audience and people started walking out because it was so gruesome. That makes me feel like I don't normally feel like I want to see gore. I don't. I'm not like a torture porn dude. No, no, no. But there's something about the the setting. Watching the original Suspiria, you know, Suspiria is one of those movies that the more I think about it, the more I liked it. I mean, I don't. I didn't hate. It was. I like it. I just. The, I, it's just never like the I soundtrack said, is those... shrill and weird, yeah. and and I, I get why people like the soundtrack. Well, it though. contributes to the mood. It's very unsettling. It's very unsettling. This is a weird, one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then to think that this, to, that that concept, that wildness is gonna, kind of going to be shaved down to all the gruesome parts, and this, yeah. I keep it, and the music's just as equally as weird. And I, I, I I'm ready. Yeah, 
I'm ready. I, I, have, I, to... I have no interest in it. Oh, really? I mean, I, I will see it because I, I, you know, I, I just, think you're going to love it when it comes out. I'm not a fan of the original one. It's definitely one of those classics that like I think it's handed to you on a platter you know? so just, steve just quote just yeah. put it in quote yeah, classic quotes, yeah that's um in an insult i don't know way. like yeah I, I i would almost probably say like I, yeah i feel like the the music uh the score of that film is more mm. unsettling than the movie was to me i don't it, i also came it's one of those situations where i came to it like literally eight years ago 10 years ago was the first time i ever saw it oh okay. so like it wasn't anything that i had any, uh, that hit me when i was more would have had more of an impression on me yeah but like it was one of those things where the reputation was like through the roof, and I was just eh, it just wasn't for me. Right. I mean, as much as right. I enjoyed it, I have that feeling. Whenever these movies get handed down to you and they get pointed out, and it's like this is a classic, this is great. And if you know the genre and you know what you like about it, that can be almost like. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're being this way, but it's almost like an invitation to say like, "All right, show me something, then you're so great." And yeah. you already have your horror movies that you love. You right. know what I mean? It's right. like, and it, no, it's, it, true. it's almost like it's impossible. To see it outside of that height. Don't mind me why I lick the shell. You can lick these muscle <laughs> shells. Um, is, um, you know that squeeze song, Pulling Muscles from a Shell? Yeah. Um, that's our theme tonight. There it is. Um, I am. Uh, I wanted to mention this a movie that I've seen that I know neither of you have seen, but mm. I, I think this is such an us movie that you guys need to see it so we can talk about it. I saw Sicario uh, Day of the Soldado. I was so close to seeing that movie last weekend. I'm so pissed I didn't see it. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Really? Like, you know, we were talking about how from the trailer, it seemed like they were, it almost seems like a Logan ripoff. Yeah. That it was like uh, the, the assassin is warming up to a kid. Yeah. That is sort of what happens, but it's also not at all what happens. <coughs> and oh. the one thing this movie has too, going for it, is <clears throat> that feeling in the first Sicario. You remember how the first Sicario, we talked about how using Emily Blunt as kind of an older the sh- over-the-shoulder character, you saw her go deeper and deeper into this dark world where mm. she had no purchase, she had no control, yeah. and it was all about her realizing, not just in over my <clears> head, <throat> but like this world that was being revealed to her kind of darkened everything she knew. This movie is like that without that character. Oh, wow. Like you don't have anybody who doesn't know how dark it is. You don't have anybody that wouldn't kill you. Right, you don't have right. anybody that's not ready to, you know, that's uh, not ready to do what it takes. Okay. Um, it makes it a really interesting ride. You don't often see movies that end kind of this ambivalently towards the characters, the morality. I do worry a little bit that this movie feels like a, a middle part in a trilogy and they're setting up a part three. I'm pretty sure there's another there one coming. Well, it feels a little bit like that. But the main thing you get from this is if if you like that sleazy Josh Brolin that is in the first Sicario. Give it. Oh, you get like a major dose of that character in this. The guy is so morally... He's not just, He's not even... I'm in. He's not even on the moral spectrum. Yeah. He's outside of it. Still wearing flip-flops? Uh, and smacking gum. <laughs> uh, and um, then Benicio. Holy shit. I mean, I love him already. He's not in enough movies, man. This is like the Benicio movie, the way one of those old classic Clint Eastwood movies is an Eastwood wow. movie. Oh, it's wow. like... It it's it and it that it threatens to overturn the the appeal of the first one if the character's too much of a superhero or too much of a badass. Mm-hmm. And what this movie does really beautifully is it does let you take pleasure in what a badass he is. Mm-hmm. But it does not end there. Like it that's not where it's going. Gotcha. Is you ending the movie going? Oh man, that guy he got out without a scratch. It's like it's a there's a point in the third act where your stomach starts to drop and you're like, oh shit, this is the same dark world. This is the same world in the first Sicario where she she arrives in Mexico and she sees someone hanging the off bridge, the bridge. Yeah. It's that And bodies in the wall. Like Man. it can turn so bad, you know, if you're out amongst these I can't people. wait to see yeah. this movie. I don't want to oversell it, but I you're know not. you guys liked you're the not. first one. No, the I only thing it. that was missing a little bit from this movie, and it, I got over it pretty quick, was Roger Deakins and Vin, uh, Denis yeah. Villeneuve. It doesn't quite have that yeah. utter cohesion but I think whoever shot this and the director, they, they're existing in the style of the first movie. So it's almost like whatever the style book was for that first movie, this one kind of adopts it. It's got some amazing visuals in it. It's got that same score, you know, that like, it's like a horror movie score. Yeah. Mm. And it, it's almost like this, the score they use in a horror trailer. It's uh. this repeated cello note that goes like, <laughs> but it's over these helicopter shots. Oh. And it's just, I mean, you know, there's real helicopters, real cars, real stunts, uh, squibs. I think that this movie it, is any so... Dro- any droid shot? Droid, am I using drone shots like the last one? Oh, yeah. It's got, lot, drone it's got a lot of aerial shots. But it makes That crazy. made me uncomfortable with how good it was. Yeah. It was so smooth from the the point where they got past the the toll yeah to the town wow that scene is amazing i cool I, 
that movie, that's like one of the only movies that I was like, you know, you watch a movie that's, I don't know, man, the darkness doesn't seem to be there for a lot of these movies. It's one of those movies I was about it. Yeah. But it's not there. It's not there. This movie is like, yeah. they don't even have to, to do more than kind of hint at it, and it's yeah. it's there. Sicario made me feel like I could not survive yeah. in this world. Absolutely. And I don't, I didn't feel like that, I don't feel like that about many, I'm like, oh, I could, I, I could hide right this. Well, like, Day of the Soldado is literally like that, except you look around, and there's nobody who is not part of this world. I've you heard know? good things from a few people who I value their opinion you obviously one yeah. of them so that's cool. just that i'm glad just, to know i'm excited about that i mean i thought i was gonna have some people like you know there's been yeah. three people that have told me that they went and they like really liked it uh, and i was worried the, like the conversation that we had prior about my concern with it no the trailer sells a much more mundane that's what it looked like the professional to me. It's it's uh, yes. I thought like it looked like the denim thieves sequence. Which oh. would be cool. Okay. Well, <laughs> we, we went. Down. I said it looked like Logan. He said it looked like it the a professional. You said denim thieves, but it's like at best, this we're used to movies like being kind of like yeah. that. And and, and denim this, this seemed like the trailer was dumbing it down to like that more of an action crime thing yeah. Yeah. instead of the. More the the substance that Sicario really had. Which I mean, is what you totally to get the feel that like the Secretary of Defense was in on this, and he washes his hands midway through. You totally get the feel that like we want to secretly start a war with yeah, the drug man. cartel Ooh. so that America can benefit in this way, I and like then that doesn't like that. quite go the way they planned. But their plan is so evil from the get go. Yeah, that like that moment in the trailer that really does feel kind of cheesy. In the movie, it feels earned. Where Josh Brolin says, um, "I want you to." What is it? You're going to start a war? And he says, with who? And he says, everybody. In the movie, that moment feels like, oh, man, this is about to get so ugly. Um, but, the yeah, again, back to Benicio. I mean, so good. <laughs> so good. Yes. Pumped. That's exciting. Super pumped. Cool. All right. I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I'm probably going to see it in the next couple of days. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I guess other than that, what looks good? What's on the horizon that anyone's really excited about? We've kind of worked through some of these movies that we were, Halloween, that we were anticipating. Right? Yes, Halloween trailer looks great. Uh, Just dropped a trailer for uh, Better Call Saul season four. That looks fucking. I great. didn't see, see that. that. I saw yeah. the poster mm-hmm. with the mask. the mask. Yeah, I did not see the uh, trailer. Yeah, yet. Right. I'm looking forward to. You guys it. are caught up on that show. Yes, right? yeah. I can't wait to see the fallout of the end of last. Come season. on, it's going to be so ugly. So you do you think that some of the characters from Breaking Bad are going to show up in this one? I'm more tantalized by. I mean, not that I not that that's I don't like want, the I don't point. want them to overestimate how much they need to connect to Breaking Bad, right? Because I think they've carved out a really cool moral and storytelling space. Mm. But I'm really tantalized by right. seeing uh, Saul after the events of Breaking Bad. Yeah. I'm really tantalized by seeing somebody from Breaking Bad come into that world. Mm. I want to see Jesse show up at the Cinnabon. Or I want to oh, see wow. even Kim from Better Call Saul show up in that world. So I'm I'm more interested in that. If seeing like a flashback where they're trying to make Aaron Paul look ten years younger than he is or twenty years younger than he I'm just not interested like I feel like that's too prequely yeah. if they connect the dots too much. But I'm fine with like, okay, let's think of who's left at the end of Breaking Bad. Oh, man. Imagine that coming into that Nebraska. Oh, plot they line. do that. Because I would love it if part of this show is seeing how Gene gets his mojo back. Seeing how unlike Walter White uh, Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman can be redeemed. There's yeah, a heart yeah. there. Right, right. So, yeah. Ghost Stories comes out uh, July 17th on iTunes. Oh, shit. Cool. Mm. So, like, next week. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, we can talk about it. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we definitely was a couple other trailers we talked about. I don't remember what they were, though. Yeah. I think that uh, Widows trailer is really good. Oh, yeah, Widows. That looks awesome. I just great like, cast and great concept. Yeah. Amazing cast. And you just know Steve McQueen is not going to dick around. It looks like it's going to be really nuts. Like, mm-hmm. it looks like... We're gonna be seeing it's some like actors it, that we're not ex- some doing some things we weren't expecting. It's like if do. everybody in Heat got knocked off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, what would Ashley Judd and uh, who was who was? Uh, oh God, who else is it? Now I can't blank out. Yeah. I, I always think of Ashley Judd from Heat, Val Kilmer's girlfriend. Right. Like, what did they talk about? That's this movie, mm-hmm. but directed by Steve McQueen. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> and you have Viola Davis leading the movie. I'm oh, like, man, sold. Goddamn sold. No, she's so good. She oh. is. She looks like she can. She has this energy about her, which it feels like she could just knock anybody out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about her. Like she's so intense. Yeah, intense woman. Looks good. So yeah, that's what looks good. And I think that's our episode. I think, I think yeah. next week we finally get to see 
Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, that's right. It'll, well, the week after this will be coming out. It'll be coming out in theaters. So. That's exciting, man. Can't wait to talk about that. Uh... Yeah, next time we talk, we'll probably talk about that. Henry we'll Cavill about... reloading his biceps. Oh, that Henry scene. Cavill that punching people in the face. Yeah, he has to cock his arms. Though. He's got to yeah. power him. I wanna... He's got cocks in his arms. What the... <laughs> Is what I just heard you yeah. say. He's got arm cocks. Yeah. But yeah. don't you think in the movie, if when he does that, there should be like a little... Like a powering up noise. That would be really cool. <laughs> and like a little, a little light that, goes, yeah. that lights up. On... He's got to wait for it yeah. to charge yeah. before he can go. That's how Bane was... Mm-hmm. In the you know, he pressed the button. Like, yeah. ah. Well, I'm intrigued by the Henry Cavill character in Fallout because <laughs> the notion of Ethan Hunt having a um, like a CIA assassin yeah. who's not going to leave him alone on his ass that feels like a movie, you know? Oh, for sure. But I'm curious, who do you think dies in Fallout? It seems obvious that the I mean, it seems like the wife is going bye bye. Michelle Monaghan, which is sort of a I mean, you know, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. I know you liked Upgrade uh, more than I did, but Upgrade had that too, where the wife exists just to be. Just to be the fodder. Simon Pegg's the revenge. What, what is it called? Fridging. The, the fridging, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a trite choice, but I understand the notion of anybody in Ethan Hunt's life is technically fodder for that oh, yeah. moment where yeah, he yeah. says he's got no one. So do you think Simon Pegg makes it out of this movie? I was going to say that. Actually. I think he's going to die. I think he's going to super Peg or, die. Pe- Peg or Rams? <sighs> it's one of the two. Don't kill. It's either Simon or Ving. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't kill Simon Pegg. He's the heart of these movies. <laughs> but they know that. They know they can know. make me hurt. They know they McQuarr- can make me they, hurt. They got something good with these movies, man. Mm-hmm. I freaking... That's like my movie of the summer. I can't wait. I enjoy those movies, man. Like, more I than... Rewatched, I, re- I rewatched 3, 4, and 5 over the past couple weeks. Good. Man, they are so good. Yeah. Like, I, I like the first one a lot. The it's second a series one... that got better? What oh, does no, that? No, that yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. Like, it went like better. 1, 2... Three, four, five. Yes. Like, it literally, like, they corrected it. The course correction. Who was the villain was, in three? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. J.J. Abrams directed it. The, the fact that he was a villain and spoke in his normal... He is phenomenal in that movie. It's scary. Mm-hmm. He's great. That's when I really... I, I, didn't, I didn't even know villains did that. Probably the best villain in, in the whole series. Yeah, that smugness and that. Yeah, and yeah. just the way he talked to Tom Cruise, like, in the movie, like... So mild and metered at one yeah. point, and then just like he would snap and like, I'm gonna find everybody that you love, and like I'm gonna kill like he, <laughs> yeah. that that promise he makes him in the beginning of the movie, like it just oh man, and like the the not to go to Mission Impossible, the scene when so when uh, Ethan Hunt like has the when they drug him and he puts the Philip Seymour Hoffman mask on in in the bathroom when yeah. they're kidnapping him, that whole scene is so good watching Tom Cruise like become Philip Seymour Hoffman with his mask and then Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing how he thinks Ethan Hunt would play the villain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but it's, but it's still Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's really yeah. Cool. Like they're they're very similar but they're just like little weird differences cuz right. it's like supposed to be Ethan doing it. No, I love it's that. It's so good. I love that when it's got layers like that. And in the, in that scene it's like he's he, do, he's not just doing himself, he's doing Tom Cruise doing himself. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And like when he circles back in that scene to Maggie Q's character and like how he's acting like he's walking into her again yeah. all the while it's Ethan like it's just so good man like I don't know that that's my favorite one but it just you could just feel the franchise correcting itself mm-hmm. in that uh, in, in the third one in that in that bridge scene where that like that missile comes in and like blows Tom Cruise into the side of the car yeah. while yeah. he's running man these movies are phenomenal They're good movies man and in case you're wondering my word of the day is phenomenal yes. <laughs> children out there phenomenal yes. That's Muscles, a char- phenomenal. Yes. Muscles, Benicio, phenomenal. phenomenal. Mission Impossible, <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> there it is. Cool. That's it, man. That's the end of this epic. Yeah, I feel like phenomenal catch-up yeah. episode. We didn't even talk about Incredibles two. Didn't do it. We didn't even have time for that blockbuster. Didn't even do it. That's Couldn't how stacked we were. We're stacked. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. Yes, really appreciate it. Where can it. they find the podcast, Ron? Everywhere. Uh, iTunes. So you're saying like at. The Apple Store, yeah, like Spotify, McDonald's? yeah, McDonald's. it's anywhere. Yeah, don't be a dickhead. Look for it everywhere. You can go to Neopole Smokery. Don't look for it it's everywhere. There. It's everywhere. It's there. We're everywhere. It's, we're in the Movie Pass app. Don't be a dickhead and say, "Oh, I can't find it." You, you're lying to yourself. Seven Eleven, we're there. You can Google it. Spotify, iTunes, iTunes, our Apple Podcasts. Uh, tune in. Tune in. Um, Google Play. The radio one. The radio one. Radio. Uh, iHeartRadio. 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 So everywhere. Yep. We're you there. You cannot miss us. 
If you find us any of those places or you subscribe to us already in those places, please leave a review. Please. A rating, the word. Anything. Or if you could share, you know, that little, like, you know that little universal icon? It's like a little box and it's got the arrow pointing up. Yeah. It's like that, like, share icon in most of the apps. Which is such a strange icon. Yeah, you know, it's like, take it out of the box and give it to the world. <laughs> Is what I picture yeah. that as. Like, do that for us <laughs> to your favorite social media site. Yeah. Tell people about Movie Schmovie. Uh, it would be appreciated. And uh, maybe if you do it in time, they could come back and listen to episode 220 in a couple weeks. Uh. Oh, as always, we've made our day. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.